Good evening, y'all. Did you guys end up having a lazy afternoon a little bit, hopefully? The rain coming down after you're seeing the face of the sun itself at 10 a.m.? That was, oh my goodness. I mowed the lawn today. It was 7 a.m. Well, my father-in-law mowed the lawn. I edged. We, it was a team effort this time. It was like 7 a.m. And you're like, whoa, this is, this is full-on Florida. Um, then we got rain, so all good things. Um, if you want to turn your, in your Bibles, we're going to be hanging out in uh, Jeremiah 29 tonight. Heading back into the Old Testament. Page 732, if you happen to be using one of the Mosaic Beautiful Blues. Now, this series is entitled Your Kingdom Come, which is obviously uh, taken from the Lord's Prayer. And so when Jesus gave his disciples the Lord's Prayer, he wasn't just giving words to repeat. He was giving them a vision for what a life in desperation and in deep relationship with the Father could be like. A life of things that are very tangible and practical, a life of radical forgiveness, of, death, of, of seeing your needs met by the creator and the sustainer of all things, um, of being given the ability supernaturally to be able to endure the test of temptation, to love when it's hard, and most of all, to receive his presence. So this is a, a, a prayer, as Lauren is leading us, a prayer that has legs on it. It walks around. It does stuff. It's, it's meant to evoke that in us. But then there's this interesting line in it. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and that can so easily seem like aspirational. Like all the other stuff is like real prayers that could affect your real life really today if, if God were to grant you the blessing of those things. God, forgive me as I forgive those who have trespassed against me. God, help sustain me for whatever my needs are right now. Like those aren't like, you know, one day would you do something? It's like, like God, I, I, I need you now. And then you have your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus is envisioning a world where the eternal kingdom of the Father would take up residence in the here and now. The, the kingdom of heaven is a space where the perfect desires of God are made manifest everywhere, where things go according to their proper function, where everything happens the way that it was designed to go. And that is an impossible standard when you look around at our radically imperfect world, right? And so, therefore, prayer is like all the way up here for perfection, and our world is all the way down here. So it's hard to see how those things would actually connect other than like wishing upon a star that a puppet could turn into a boy. You know, it's like, like so, it seems impossible, but like, eh, why not? Why not give it a try? But that's not the feel of this prayer, right? Because again, he has been handling things that are earthy and gritty and real. The difficulty of forgiveness. The difficulty of not having your basic needs met in a moment. The difficulty of what it looks like to cling to Jesus when, when life is rough. And so this is indeed a prayer of desperation. So, so why this snippet of something that seems aspirational? See, what if Jesus taught this to his disciples because it actually mattered? 
if it if it did matter, would it stay aspirational for us? Like, oh, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, cool. I, I pray it because I know it. Or would it grow legs as well? And would it walk around in the everyday realities of your life? See, what if the kingdom of God is meant to arrive amongst your coworkers at Walt Disney World? Use your imaginations for a minute. Imagine if the kingdom of heaven arrived in your families, in your apartments, if you have kids with them or with your spouse. Imagine if the kingdom of heaven, this world that is so other than, began to grow legs and have real effect in the here and now, in our midst. I imagine this is what the Israelites must have been wrestling with when they were being led into exile by the nation of Babylon. Because, because it's so easy for us to look around at our world that's radically imperfect and have little faith or imagination that anything good could really happen. That the kingdom of God could arrive in our midst. And so we have the story of the Israelites being taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And now, whatever you think about our culture in terms of politics, workplace, religious organizations, family units, or just about anything else, ancient Babylon is the thing in the scriptures that puts it all to shame. They are like the worst of the worst. In fact, in the Bible, from beginning in Genesis all the way to Revelation, the ancient culture of Babylon is the very definition of a culture that's embedded with sin and death. It was on their law books. It was in their homes. It was in their entertainment. It was everywhere. Their gods were bloodthirsty. Their people were warped. And, and so in the scriptures, Babylon is the polar opposite of God's way of doing things. It is what happens when man has decided that our way is better. And so for the Israelites, this is the type of nation that they wanted to be like. They wanted to be powerful. They wanted to have prestige and to be respected, to be able to be free to do whatever they wanted without anyone coming against them. And so after centuries of them going down this path of rebellion against God, God allows his chosen people to experience his justice by being drugged off into exile by Thanos meets Voldemort uh, embodied in an entire nation state, right? Like this is bad. So why would God do this? In fact, in, in ancient Near Eastern cultures, if, uh, if a nation defeated another nation, it wasn't just your people defeated my people. And what it meant to say was, your God is stronger than our God because the, your gods would definitely sustain you. They wouldn't let you be defeated in battle. So if you have, it must mean that the problem isn't the person. The problem is the God. The God isn't powerful enough. And so why would the God of creation allow his people to be taken off into exile? And this is exactly what he allows to happen. And he allows Babylon, Babylon of all people to become the instruments of God's justice after years of them desiring to be just like them. It's sad irony. And so he gave them up to their desires. You want to be like them? You get to go be like them. And it wasn't good. Now imagine though, like how sad you would feel being led into exile. 
imagine really, really sad, right? Like you're not like, oh, I've seen better days. You're like, this is like awful and grievous. And so then when all of a sudden the prophet Jeremiah comes and says, hey, God's been talking to me for you. And he says, I have a message. What is the message that you would imagine him sending? Well, if you think about what religious movements across the centuries have typically done in the face of uh, having an, an occupied, oppressive culture over them. You might expect uh, fight. Uh, what does that look like today? Uh, I'm going to fight the culture. I'm going to fight. Like whoever is against me, I'm going to fight against them, right? Like that's, that's a thing. So there's fight and that's not a new thing. That's always been a part of it. Um, there's flight, right? Uh, I'm, we're going to go run away. We're going to circle the wagons. You're going to run to the hills. You're going to go to some rural outlet. You're going to do whatever metaphor you got to do to get as far away and create distance. That's a, one that religious movements have done throughout the centuries. You can freeze or in other words, adapt. You can go, we're going to just uh, do what they're doing. We're going to become like the Babylonians. We're going to become like the world around us and the culture and its values and all that stuff. We're just going to kind of just do that thing. But what God says to his people is eye-opening. So this is in Jeremiah 29, starting in verse four. Thus say the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So first notice what he says whom I have sent. You weren't taken. I sent you there. That's rough. But then hear what he says. Build houses, live in them. Plant gardens, eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give them, give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Now, not kind of makes sense that God would say something like that, right? Like, hey, you're going to be in for a while, so you might as well dig in. Like, yeah, multiply, do this stuff. Don't just, in other words, don't, don't just survive, do your best to thrive. Um, this is kind of just the idea of make the best out of a really bad situation. That makes sense that God would say that, right? But then he goes on, verse seven. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Now, this is where it gets odd. So the Hebrew word that's used here for welfare, it's, it's the Hebrew word shalom, which maybe you know what that means, but it means peace, prosperity, success, blessing. So seek the blessing of Babylon. What are you doing, God? Like, I, you know, Jeremiah, maybe you want to go fact check, like your, your prophecy. Go, go check this and verify. You want us to do what to them? We were going to set some booby traps to like defeat them somehow. And you want us to bless them. Bless them. Bless Babylon. How could that make any possible sense? Doesn't that go against all of our human inclinations? Like, this isn't like you feel like, oh man, they, that person kind of feels like they're out for me. If any of you guys have an HOA and sometimes it kind of feels like, that happened to me recently. Like it kind of feels like you're a little bit out for me here. No, this isn't 
feeling that they're out for you. This is, you're an oppressed people group that is in exile and enslavement. So what's your, what's your response? What's God's call to response? Is it to fight? Nope. Flight? Nope. Freeze? Nope. Bless. Bless? Bless. Bless. See, Jesus, that this doesn't make any sense in our, in our flesh. Like everything in me says, if you punch me in the face, I punch you back or I run away or I go to the ground, right? Like those are the options for all of us, right? We, to bless, but this is a consistent theme throughout the storyline of the scriptures. Jesus goes on to explain in the Sermon on the Mount right before giving his disciples the Lord's prayer. He says it like this. You have heard it say this, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. He goes on to say, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? In other words, don't even the worst people do that? You do good things for those who are good to you? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Don't those who don't even know the ways of God do that kind of stuff? You therefore must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now that's a high calling. Bless even in, the, even in the midst of complete opposition. And see, that, that, that seems impossible, and, and, and it's because it is. Because that's not normal to us. That is a supernatural reality that we cannot affect in ourselves. But it's one that we actually have the power to because this is exactly the story of all of our lives if we follow after Jesus. See, before knowing Jesus, I was naturally bent towards cursing God. Not necessarily vocally, and I wouldn't have ever phrased it that way, but I was opposed to him. I didn't want to do things his way. I, I, became, I was an enemy to him, in effect, by the very actions and thoughts and mindset that I had toward the world around me. What's in it for me? What's going to give me the most pleasure? What can I do to set myself up best? See, on my own, at best, I was like Israel that was trying to be like rebellious Babylon just to become enslaved to the darkness itself. See, this, our story doesn't begin with, and I blessed God, so he blessed me. That's not the story. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us made us united together with Christ, lifting us up together with him to the right hand of the Father. This is not of your own doing. You and I, we did nothing to affect this reality. It is something that I can't boast about, but it was by God's own will, leading us out of darkness into the immeasurable beauty of his marvelous light. But God, the most beautiful phrase in the scriptures. For all of our stupidity, there's a but God. For all of our curses, but God blessed. So how can we be a blessing to those who are kind of mean to us or are rude to us or are indifferent to us or don't give us the time of day? What about how do we become a blessing to our non-believing family, friends, or coworkers? By first and foremost remembering that 
we were not first blessers, we were cursers. And not like that kind of a cursor. But like we curse and Jesus blessed. That is the story of the scriptures. We were created to be a blessing. We decided to curse. And when we decided to curse, God still decided to bless. His kingdom comes in us and through us. His kingdom spreads like wildfire to those who have tasted and seen the kingdom for themselves. But what could it look like to actually do this? Because so far, this is still kind of high level. Now, Many of you know that uh, me and Nick Cramsey had the opportunity to go to a church uh, right outside of Disneyland Paris a few uh, weeks ago. And they have been doing a phenomenal job being a blessing to their community in the midst of a very secularized society. Desiring, and now they have desired to begin to partner into what it would look like to become a blessing to cast members at Disneyland Paris. And so we got to go there and experience them ton with him. It was, it was just so special. But there were some things from it that I thought would be beneficial in the midst of this concept of being a blessing. So I want to invite Nick to come on up and I'm going to ask him a couple questions about our time. Hey, Nick. It's on. Hello. There you go. Okay. Nick, so first off, I'd just love for you to share just a little bit about our trip um, to Paris. What was it like? What did you experience? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I don't think there would be, if, if we tried to find a bad thing to happen, it would be, it, we, you couldn't find it. It was just so amazing. Trying um, to get through TSA on the way there. <clears throat> okay, fun fact about that. Danny had me sign up for a TSA pre-check. And then we get to the airport. I had airport. a free thing for it. So like, yeah. I was like, hey, you use this and it'll be great. We get to the airport and we're running pretty close on time. We get to the airport to find out that our airline does not offer TSA pre-check. Did so. you know that happens? <laughs> anyway, keep going. All right. So yeah, that was the worst part of the entire trip. Probably. And we got Shake Shack at the airport. So it wasn't really that bad, you know? Yeah. All right, keep going. <laughs> what, what, did you, what did we experience? Um, on, we just, we experienced a church who cares deeply about their people and cares deeply about being missional and who desire to just take the gospel and plant it, whether it's in their villages in France or mainly specifically uh, with Disneyland cast member um, in Disneyland Paris. Um, <clears throat> it was really cool just to kind of take kind of what we do here on Uncommon on, on Love. This is probably the, the main thing that we kind of walked through with them and kind of showed them what we do in our context um, which was to really just do Uncommon Love and take these little cards and hand them out to Disneyland cast members. And uh, Saturday, we took the, the pastor out and showed him what to do. And it was, he just was like taken back because anytime you would hand these cards to these cast, these cast members, their face would light up. They would be so happy. And then they would just like, we became their counselors because they just started talking about all their problems that they were experiencing, which was really cool because that is one of the whole points of that, uh, of that <clears throat> method. And one of the questions that the pastor kept asking us is like, are they paid to, re to respond that way? And we're like, absolutely not. That, that is literally the, just the, re the reaction that they get. And, um, and we found out something cool is that, which what made that reaction so amazing 
was that we found out that French people are very private people, and they don't just open up and just talk to you about whatever. And so that's why he kept asking, like, do they just, do they, like, tell you to react this way when someone gives something? And it's like, no. And so in their context, that's going to be such a benefit to them and in, in being a blessing to those cast members. So yeah. That's great. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, so tonight we've been discussing why we're called to be a blessing to the world around us. Uh, can you share a bit with us about not just what we went and the little bits that we could share with them or what we could brainstorm with them, but really what we learned um, and brainstormed coming back from their example of what it looks like to be a blessing in the midst of a very, very post-Christian society? Um, I think that at least something that I learned um, was that their, their faith, I think at times, is a lot stronger than ours because the French, the French government is so involved in what happens and what goes on in any type of, any type of favor in any, any religion um, is frowned upon. And so for them, the, holding on to the truth of God's word and that passion that people can experience the beauty of the gospel I think at times is much stronger in their context than it is here. Um, also, like it, we all live, it isn't right. I feel like most people here may or may not, I mean, most of them probably would either be cast members or annual pass holders. And so we have the ability to walk into uh, Disney World all the time. And over there, it was like every day we just did Uncommon Love every single day. And it was the most refreshing thing to my soul. But I kept thinking about, I work with these people. I, I wake up every single day to sit next to them and I can have these conversations. I can bring these cards, uh, specifically in my context. So I, if you don't know about me, I'm a, I'm a, a bus operations coordinator at Magic Kingdom. And one opportunity that I have is I hand out drivers their responsibilities for the whole day. Something that I thought I could do is just take one of those cards and just when I'm working, just put that on their, on their paper and hand it to them. You know, and so it's like, and I just have that opportunity yeah. here that I could do a lot more. Yeah. I love that. I love that, yeah. Their example was so cool. The way that they have sought to love in the midst of their culture, doing those cultural, starting to do cultural evenings to allow foreigners and especially yeah. cast members who are not from France, which there's uh, 17,000 cast members at Disneyland Paris representing 120 different nationalities. And so um, they're doing like cultural evenings to um, create a safe space for them to just like for you to come and experience um, other Fr French pe French speaking people to like start building relationships and stuff, which is a huge need for foreigners in that context. Mm -hmm. Like they truly sought to be a blessing. I thought just some of the stuff they were doing was so cool. Mm -hmm. um, so like you mentioned, Nick, you're a cast member. And so um, I've seen you do this and learn from Jesus how to do this to be a blessing in your workplace over the last few years. And so I'd love for you to just share a few ways that you have just been learning from Jesus how to be a blessing and how to be this gospel presence um, so far in your workplace. Yeah. Um, I would say the first one that comes to mind uh, is to incorporate, well, there's two things. Um, the first one is to incorporate the fruits of the Spirit, uh, which I have always looked at as the character of Christ. Everything about the fruit of the Spirit is the example of Christ. And so in any context or any opportunity that you get, practice one of those things because you're going to experience that. You're going to have an opportunity where you can have love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. You're going to have opportunities to share that. And the times where I have incorporated that into what I do, it kind of takes people back because it is really so opposite of Disney culture and it's opposite of, of, of the Western culture. And that has been really helpful and encouraging. Um, and then the, ex- the other one is that I have found really helpful, probably the most, is whatever your spiritual gifts are, incorporate that into your workspace. Um, so the top, uh, really the top three of mine are um, discernment, uh, in, uh, exhortation, and, and leadership. And so uh, I focus more on exhortation, which is just encouragement. And we need a lot of encouragement. I've learned that in my department, there's a lot of encouragement that needs to happen. And so stepping into spaces where I can encourage them uh, and they're doing their job, uh, encourage uh, leaders when I see them um, that are, are, I'm kind of in a weird, I'm a coordinator, so I'm like, I lead, but I'm also in being led. And so like I have a unique opportunity to minister to both. Um, and so that's, those are just some, a few things that have been really helpful in my context. Yeah, that's great. And if any of you are tempted because you don't know Nick or something to go, wow, but Nick's so spiritual and uh, um, they're not really, no, I'm just kidding. He is, <laughs> but, uh, but he's not, he's, He's not something other than where like his example or some of the other people in this room's examples are so unique. You're like, well, of course that kind of person does stuff like that. But really it's just, all right, it's more about what it just looks like to be willing and open and submitted to whatever God wants to do through you. And I've seen that, which has been really fun to watch from you. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not perfect. There's yeah. been times where I yell at drivers and I have to go back and apologize because it was uncalled yeah. for. So yeah. Not- yeah, but even in our Disney culture, to actually go back and apologize. I mean, I've heard so many of your stories before of like, when you apologize, people don't know what to do with you here. They're like, what do you, what's your angle? <laughs> You're like, I messed up. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's so good. Um, now, from what I've said so far from the stage tonight, it might, you, anybody here would make sense why you might think what I'm talking about by the word blessing is being nice or be thoughtful. Um, which those are good things to be, but that's not all it means to be a blessing. Um, But to truly see the kingdom of God come into our lives and our workplaces and our homes and everywhere we go, it, it also, blessing also can mean actually challenging sometimes as well. And so do you have any story, stories, Nick, from your experience of being a blessing by actually having an honest conversation? Yeah, um, I think I think sometimes we mix up uh, being uh, modeling the gospel and sharing the gospel. There's a difference between the two. Modeling the gospel is like is being nice. It's being kind. It's 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 acting in response of what the gospel has done for you. Sharing the gospel is actually walking through with somebody that Jesus came to die for your sins, that we need our need of a savior. And the only way to heaven is through him uh, or eternal life. <clears throat> and so I think of one story I have uh, that uh, I, a coworker of mine who uh, is a Muslim um, and I love him to death. And he, uh, we talked, to, it first started out with modeling the gospel. He was going through a really rough time in his marriage and uh, he really did not need somebody to come and say, Jesus can save your marriage. That's, at that point, that's not really, was going to be the most helpful. Instead, you need a friend 
He needed someone to understand where he was coming from. And so for, for a couple months, I just kind of sat with him every single week. And just, he cried, we talked, I challenged him. Um, and, and that actually led into an opportunity to talk about the differences between Islam and Christianity. And, and so it got to a point where we really started to be so comfortable with one another that um, we got all of our work. He would, we would get all of our work done so we could just, we could sit and talk about this. And um, I had to, at some point, I, the, the Holy Spirit was like, okay, you've, you've, you've modeled the gospel. You've done this. You've been kind. You've, you've done all these things. Now it's time to actually tell him the hard truth and trust that I will keep the relationship strong. And um, so we started talking about, he didn't understand. His question was, <clears throat> if there is one revelation, why didn't God just give it? And I said, he did. It was Jesus. That was the whole conversation. <laughs> But that also turned into talking about how that Jesus says that there's um, that no one can come to the Father except through a relationship with Him, uh, and there was one, and it led to me having to tell him the hard truth that he was following a false religion, and I didn't know, and in Disney context, I didn't know how that was going to. Ta- I don't know how he was going to take that. I didn't know how Disney was going to react if it came out. But until this day, he and I have a very strong relationship. And he would, uh, we don't work together right now, um, but he'll text me quite often and say that he misses our conversations. And so, and I just had to trust. And I think the hard part is that when we share the gospel, we, we expect an immediate reaction. We expect, oh, they're going to accept Christ right now. And the thing that I had to learn in those moments is that my job is to plant the seed. And my job is to, is to be patient and pray for him. And there are seasons where we are, um, um, bearers of the gospel, uh, and then there are seasons where we will be reapers of the gospel, and we will experience the benefit of someone coming to know Christ, but we have such a huge role to play in both. We have to plant the seeds. We have to share the gospel, and the best way that you can bless somebody is to share the gospel. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Awesome. Thanks for coming up here. You can go ahead and have a seat. A little over a decade ago, um, I was working at AT&T uh, at Mobile Store, and I, I, loved, I, I loved what I got to do. I loved the people I was around, and I loved making big boy cash when I was like 19 or 20, um, paying my way through college or through my master's degree. And, um, but I was having a hard time with a few of my coworkers. Um, I don't believe it is important to look for uh, the way that I'm being slighted as a Christian every second of every day. It's just, it's just not worth it. Um, but there were some people who worked with me there because uh, I, was, I was the youngest and I was the Christian kid. So it wasn't exactly um, the easiest spot for me. And some of them um, were pretty difficult. Um, one of the guys, uh, he just, I have no idea why he didn't like me, but he just didn't like me. And um, he would uh, like start, like he would mess with people's phones that I was fixing um, while I was doing it. Like he would make it worse and then just walk away. And I, and I remember I, I, I came to my small group and I was a part of a men's small group, but I was about 
25 years the youngest of any of the guys in this small group. Uh, and there's just so much wisdom in that space. And so I was talking with them and I was sharing this and I was like, just like hurting because like, it was just, it just made every day going into work a chore and just like, oh my gosh, what's going to be said now? Like, is this isn't gonna, like, what are they going to do? And so I'll never forget their response. They said, um, do you think your people like barbecue? And I said, yeah, I think they like barbecue. I mean, he, he doesn't like barbecue. And, um, and so they go to one of the best barbecue spots um, uh, in a town right next to my hometown. And they go and uh, they chipped in like a couple hundred dollars a piece. And they went and bought like a thousand dollars in barbecue. And then one of the days I was working, they just showed up in cars and just started unloading all of these boxes of barbecue, dropping it off. And that same guy comes up to me and he goes, he's like, what are we, your church's project? And, and I was like, no, the, I mean, these guys go to my church and we're part of a small group together, but they just know that I love my team here and they love you because of that. And, uh, and, and then we had barbecue and, um, and that's what comes to mind when I think about being a blessing. It doesn't mean that it's not hard it just means that if you slap me in the face, then I turn the other cheek. And when I always envision that concept of turning the other cheek, I think it means like turn away to run and hide or something. Um, but that's not what it means. It means, oh, oh, you missed the spot. This one too. Go ahead and take a shot. Oh, you want my cloak? Take it all. You want all my clothes? Like whatever, like you get it. And we go, Jesus, you're naive. Jesus is a naive guy. He knows the real world. He knows how hard it is. What he is saying is this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's not like what you know. See, if anybody has ever experienced what the kingdom of heaven is like, we could safely say it's Jesus, right? And so when he is saying, pray like this, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He, what he is saying is not something that's ethereal and out there. He is saying, God, pray like this. God, I am desperate for your kingdom realities, the kingdom of abundance and grace and mercy and justice of love to transcend even this dark moment, even this light moment. And that's a kingdom that, that puts any kingdom on the planet earth throughout the history, going from the early days of the Babylonian empire to the magic kingdom today. Like every kingdom pales in comparison to this kingdom because this one has a king who will rule forever. And he has promised justice. He has promised light. He has promised life. He has promised freedom. And this is what we get to partner into. When we go and we bless, we go and we bless. We're cursed and we bless. We're forgotten about and we bless. We're passed over for the promotion and we bless. We're backstabbed and we bless. We, we go and we bless and we forgive and we do this. And it looks naive to the world. It looks like you're just becoming the carpet for people to walk on. But what you're actually doing is something altogether different. You're saying... I represent a different kingdom. So like, like this stuff has made me like, like I'm rubber, you're glue. You know, like, like you can't affect me. I'm unaffectable because my identity isn't here. And that's a lot harder 
to do than to say, I know. But what if we prayed and imagined God's kingdom expanding into our workplaces, Walt Disney World, in our families, in our world? Not by forcing our own way or our own agenda, not by simply adapting and capitulating to whatever the world says is okay, but by standing out by being a blessing. So I think about where we were just at in Second Peter over the last few months. And that last part we were in last week, right? What did Peter say? He said, hey, pray and hasten the day of the Lord. Hasten the day of the Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for my friends, my brothers and sisters here tonight who need you more than we know. God, I, I, I confess that um, in my heart, I want to hold on to unforgiveness. When I get slapped on the cheek, I want to punch somebody in the face. I want to prove my rightness before others. I want to get my way. But Lord, in the gospel, I am, I, I'm becoming ever more aware that this is not about my way. And that's really hard because I love my way. But only your way leads to life, light, and freedom. My way can only produce a cheap substitute, a counterfeit, something broken and discardable. But your way, your kingdom will reign forever. And so, Father, would you change our hearts and our minds even now to want and to desire your kingdom. Help us pray boldly that your kingdom come, your will be, be done in our hearts, in our lives, in our homes, in our relationships, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in this state, in this nation, in this, in this planet as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.